Hi, this is Tris Hussey, and welcome to another episode of Inside Trapeze. And I'm here with Mark Godin, and we're talking about the blockchain. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Good, thanks, Tris. How are you today? Oh, you know, it's a good day to be talking about transit and technology. Now, you just contributed to a really big UITP thought paper. I mean, it's like not a white paper. It's not a re- it's a thought paper on the blockchain. Now, when people think about blockchain, they hear about it. They really think only about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but it's bigger than that. But could you explain what the blockchain and digital ledger technologies are for people who aren't won't really understand it? Yeah, thanks. And and I, and I like that you use the word you know, thought paper or white paper because it really is. It's an exploration. I mean, the title on the front is report. I think that's a generous term. Really what the committee wanted to do when we were putting this together was, was to get people thinking, provide a primer that lays out the context of what blockchain technology could do for public transportation, what it is doing in a couple of select cases, and, and how transit agencies and MPOs and cities might start thinking about blockchain in the context of, of urban mobility and transportation. So it was an exciting exploration. Uh, it's definitely not the final word on where this is going to go. It's meant to seed the conversation so that people can have more conversations about this type of technology in the future. And I'm going to take your definition. You said Bitcoin, you said blockchain. I'm going to blow it up even further and say distributed ledger technologies, because that's that's the broadest possible context of what we're discussing, of which blockchain is really one subset of technology for DLTs, distributed ledger technologies. And it's that that idea that there doesn't need to be a centralized authority when we're looking at pieces of information or decisions. Um, we can have decisions that are that are recorded publicly and encrypted or, or unencrypted and, and visible broadly, and they're secure, and there's a layer of trust that gets built into these distributed ledger technologies that makes them very unique in terms of technology applications because there's no single authority. It's it's the collective consensus that that provides that authority and trust for the system. Cool. So they, it's, it is... I worked in the blockchain uh, space a little bit in relating to cryptocurrency, and it's just this idea that everyone agrees that when you put something into a ledger, and even if from the accounting ledger mindset, that's really where it comes from, right? That everyone puts it in, and everyone goes, "Yep, that's the thing. It's done, clunk, and it's sealed." And it really eliminates that. Well, I mean, if you think of you know, in the most nefarious thing, the company that has two sets of books. They have one set of books that they show everyone publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have the other set of books is where the real stuff happens. But with with distributed ledger technologies, that's impossible. There is only one set of books and everyone sees them and everyone agrees on them. That's really the core of that, of this, of what this does, right? So Mark, when we're looking at applications for DLTs, for distributed ledger technologies, what are the things that are starting to come up now, the things that people are already starting to work on in the real world? So when we look at applications for this type of technology, we're looking and trying to identify scenarios and, and environments where there's existing low trust, where there might be conflict between parties, there might be discrepancies, there might be unknowns and, and weird layers of transparency that exist today. And public transportation is actually... a, a pretty good use case for this because really public 
public transportation can be the amalgamation of all kinds of different mobility options in a given city. So how do we ensure that there's trust between different public transit providers? Maybe there's trust between contractors and vendors and authorities. And maybe there's trust between different urban mobility modes, whether it's taxis or scooters or bicycles. Um, there, there is actually a, a lot of trust issues. And I think we've seen that develop um, in the early stages of mobility as a service. A lot of cities are trying to figure out mobility as a service. It's been a difficult nut to crack. There's been some progress in Europe and and, and here and there. Um, but a lot of it comes down to parties trusting each other and enabling each other to succeed in a very complicated environment. Yeah, and that was that was really one of the things I wanted to focus on with you is there seems to be two groups of opportunities. There's opportunities in Europe where they do a lot of really interjurisdictional transactions. I mean, between not just city to city, but we're talking, where do you see, what's that, talk about mass as, as one of the big opportunities for, for the distributed ledgers and blockchain. Where, what, are, what are some of the other places that this is going to be the first places we think we're going to have experiments with? Mm-hmm. I, I like that you brought up the regional differences there between applications of DLTs and blockchain. I, I think there are some significant differences. And I'm going to add in actually Latin America as a third, um, because I think in Europe, there's been some fairly advanced discussions around developing trust in these complicated interjurisdictional environments and, and dealing with mobility as a service in different modes in different countries, like you mentioned. So it's, it's a little bit more advanced on the the contract structuring and the potential of DLTs to, to help with contract administration and creation. But in North America, the conversation around the blockchain has really been centered around cryptocurrency. That's the pop culture of, of, crypto, uh, of, of blockchain and crypto kind of really taking over the conversation. But public transportation in North America operates in a fairly high trust environment. And we see that because the transit agencies and the mobility planning organizations are really the the core of trust. They're they're overseeing all mobility, well, at least public mobility modes in a given city. So there's there's more trust between these parties and that there's less of a need for that type of of interjurisdictional relationship management that we see in Europe. But I do think there's great opportunities for DLTs and blockchain technology in uh, things like workforce management. So we talk about contract administration and trust environments. Well, what about a union and a workforce contract to an agency? That's a situation where we've got a lot of complex layers of of recording what's supposed to happen versus what does happen and and paying per rules and assigning work per rules. That's a great opportunity to automate some of that. And then we've got the micro-mobility space. We've got um, some really interesting work coming out of, I think it's out of uh, California mostly with the mobility data specification where uh, these, these micro-mobility providers like scooter providers are being f- required to provide a lot of public-facing information. And how that's managed and analyzed can be really valuable to a city, really valuable to the c- citizens of a city, but also raise trust between what are private organizations um, who are working within a public interest environment. And then lastly, I did want to bring up Latin America, which has some of a, a little bit of both. It, it's got a low trust environment in terms of you've got people operating service. They might even be completely private and independent, just going along a route. And, and a public agency or authority or a city that's trying to organize and coordinate that to improve mobility options for, for citizens. Um, so there's some fascinating opportunities to create incentives for people to deliver more regular, reliable, and safer service potentially. And, and there's there's even disincent- disincentives where we can maybe 
that penalize agencies and, and folks who are duplicating service or, or providing it in an unsafe manner. Um, so you have quite quite a bit lower trust, but a different application than in Europe, which is fascinating. Yeah, and the, uh, one of the the places I saw highlighted, speaking of Latin America, was Fortaleza, which uh, one of the previous guests on Transit Unplugged was from Fortaleza and talking about doing some experiments in the space. And I think it's really interesting how in places like Latin America, like you saw with telephone services in the, in places like Africa, they, they skipped landlines entirely. They skipped copper wire and they just went straight to cell phones. I think it seems like in areas where you're you can take advantage of new technology right away. They don't have to kind of go through the growing pains that other places have gone. They just jump right in. It's like, look, this is the best way we can make sure everyone can build a standard of trust. Do you think that's kind of playing into how Latin America is, is jumping on into these experiments? I think it's part of it. You know, I, I think Latin America has some fantastic opportunities for new service mode development and technology development. And, and, it's been proven with uh, service modes like uh, bus rapid transit. All the most amazing, largest, and, and most mature bus rapid transit systems typically exist in Latin America. Bogota comes to mind um, as, as a fantastic example, the biggest example in the world. I, I've ridden that system before, and it was incredible to ride a, a double articulated bus with like a two-minute headway. Um, just, just incredible frequency of service. Um so I, I do think that that's helping to advance the possibilities of using blockchain in, in public transportation. It's it's not there yet. There's a couple of interesting examples in Brazil. Fortaleza, you mentioned, um, as there's one private operator in, in Fortaleza that's contemplated the idea of using blockchain as a payment methodology for riders to pay for rides. And it's interesting because in Brazil, the, the currency, the real, is, is quite volatile as of late. Um, it's declined in value, and, and some customers, some riders, are looking to other forms of stored value to maintain, um, to, to have a bit of a steadier path. And that sounds a bit quirky for cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is not known for its stability and constancy, but nonetheless, it, it's another option that's available to them. We haven't seen this implemented yet, but there are some, some fascinating research projects. Uh, there's a consortium out of France that's actually putting a little bit of money and thought into the idea of using blockchain technologies and DLTs in Brazil. Uh, and, and I'm certainly going to be watching to see what comes of that. Yeah. The biggest opportunity, I think, is in the contract administration side. Well, let's let's go into that because I see you know you you talked about contract administration in terms of unions, but there's also contract administration in terms of third party operators, the the trans devs, the 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 MVs, wherever you are, they they provide a lot of the core service to transit agencies, and that model works really well. But it's still a contract. Is, is this one of the other places where DLTs are are starting to raise their head? Be as a be as a possible option, or even RFPs could be another could be another place. I haven't seen it yet, but I do think it's a place of, of significant opportunity. Um, I think that contract administration for these service provider type contracts is, is really significant. So we see this in um, Transport for London and London, England. They're not using distributed ledger technology at this time, but they are monitoring their service contracts in a in a really defined kind of way. So in London, I, there's a number of different providers that provide the, the red bus service, so that those double-decker buses and all the buses in between. Um, and if those buses aren't performing the work at the time that was scheduled, so maybe they're running a little late, maybe they're running a little early, 
there are incentives and disincentives built into their service providing contract. And, and it's measured through like electronically. So it's measured through GPS tracking and the fleet management system automatically calculates and, and provides KPI information back to the authority to make the appropriate payments. But there is still that layer of discretion and manual measurement there where if we're in an even lower trust environment, uh, going back to Brazil, we're not talking about one or two or five different providers in a given city. There might be one or two or 500 different providers providing public transportation in that city because it could be an owner operator. It could be, you know, my name's Mark, I'm a bus driver and I own my bus and I do Route 67 every day. And, and that I could have a contract or, or a right to perform that service on a regular basis. So that, that idea of, of me being able to be paid or, or not paid or permitted or not permitted to do that route and have it be measured um, becomes much more compelling as, as an application for DLT uh, because it's so much more complex. It's so much more complex. And I probably don't trust the authority and the authority probably doesn't trust me in that type of situation. Right. It, that, that trusted data exchange is going to be key. But we've, we've talked about, in, it was in this research paper, a lot of it was forward thinking. A lot of it was like, well, we're looking, we're looking at this in the future. What do you see as the biggest barrier to bringing these technologies to the fore and putting them into production and using them in real life? I think there's a few barriers. So, the biggest barrier, I think, in the near term is the conflation of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency technology. Um, cryptocurrencies are interesting, but they don't have a ton of applications in public transportation. And, and we're a little bit leery of them because they're going to take, for, for especially for small size transactions, like a public transportation fare payment scenario, they're going to take a lot of energy to validate those transactions. And that energy is going to be polluting energy in many cases. And that really runs contrary to some of the environmental goals and priorities that are associated with public transportation. So we really need to be aware of energy consumption and really be aware of, of how we're managing that type of environment. So it, that conflation of currency, stored value, and transactional value versus some of the other potential applications is probably the biggest immediate term threat to the to the adoption. Yeah. Before we go on to some of the other, I want to make sure, like, people might not be aware that they hear about cryptocurrency mining and it's really um, in power intensive. When so, when you're saying energy, you it's literal electric you know, electric energy that is powering the computers to make the calculations. And that was one of the points in that paper is trying to develop systems that were less energy intensive, less computationally intensive in order to pull this off. And that, that is like, it's, it, you like, yeah, you don't want to be cranking kilowatt, you know, hundreds of kilowatt hours just to like process one person's bus pass. I mean, that, that, that's, right. that's, Nuts. And for that energy, there's a monetary cost as well. So there's the environmental cost, but someone's got to be paid to run their computing systems to validate those transactions on a public blockchain like Bitcoin. But when we get into some of the contract management potentials, enterprise asset management, we can potentially use private or semi-private networks that don't require that type of, of broad validation and don't have the same quantity of, of transactional validations taking place. So there's ways around it. It's really application dependent. What are we trying to use it for? Um, another big barrier that I see is, is really realizing the technology. It's so early stage in, in how we're thinking about it that it could go many different directions and understanding 
the balance between control and having a small private network versus some of the more um, feel-good scenarios where it's a totally open and public network and everybody can access it and contribute it to it. it it's going to be really difficult to nail that. Um, and there's probably going to be a proliferation of potential platforms and potential applications and, and finding ones that are useful and actually picking out what's good to proceed with is going to be a major challenge. Um, and then lastly, I think it's, it's showing the potential of the technology. Right now, there's not a lot of appetite for this because a lot of the applications that we're discussing are being managed somehow, some other way. We talked about contract administration in, in London and in transport for London. It works today. It functions. There's nothing wrong with it. It actually works really well. Um, so we're almost looking for new applications to drive the level of interest that's required to push this technology forward. It's there. It's going to take some time to actually reach that application stage. Well, this is this is that this is the magic last question. Is that time when you know, looking into your crystal ball? When do you think we'll see this actually happening? What, what's that? What's the time window? Do you think? Oh, it's going to be a slow burn. It's 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 already started, right? The exciting part here is it's already started. So if I look into my crystal ball, I'm going to tell you last year or the year before, because there's already been these experimental ideas where we're looking at with a cryptocurrency for fair payment or a little bit of contract administration in Europe. So there's something happening, but I don't think you're going to really notice it. So if we look forward out for a few years, it's just going to start appearing in places where you're not necessarily expecting it. And I, and I, and I hesitate to think that you're going to notice it, especially if we're focusing on some of the more interesting back office applications, uh, managing an asset, managing a workforce, looking at a supply chain, having a seamless mobility as a service type trip across multiple modes. As a transit rider, I hope you don't see it. I hope it's right. invisible and transparent to you. Um, so think about it that way. Never. You're never going to see it. <laughs> yeah. I hope that's a vague enough answer because it's, it's a really vague future, right? We don't know when or how or, or even if this technology is going to reach application stage, but we're really excited about the potential and we really do see an opportunity here. And I think actually that last part that you touched on that, we sh- we as you know put ourselves as not software you know providers but as transit riders we may never see it but that's the point because it it should be seamless and it should be invisible and it should just it's like we don't really think about how gps works i i don't i don't know if you like you do if you you, know, you don't check how many satellites you're connected to when you're in google maps I mean, I do, but that's just me. Well, okay. Do you, you do? That's fine. <laughs> I get it. I would if I was like, you know, that would be really interesting. How many solid? But it, but thinking about, if you think about the early GPS devices that you would buy, they did show you how many satellites you were connected to at any given time. Now we just don't care because it just works. And it seems that that's the way blockchain is going to go. Final words on this great thinky paper. I think that's what we should call it. This great thinky paper. Thinky paper. <laughs> on, uh, on, yeah. On I, I think it's just the, the final word is that, that this is the start of something with much more to come. Uh, the paper is going to be discussed at IT Trans in Germany in May, uh, May 10th to 12th. So if any of the listeners are, are, are in Germany and, and attending IT Trans, that's a fantastic opportunity to meet some of the editors and, and discuss the paper in a bit more detail. Um, there's so much more to come. There's going to be another phase of this study. UITP is going to continue to study this, this issue and, and propose applications and work with transit agencies around the world to, to see where the value can be in, in DLTs in, in the blockchain. 
Um, and I think there's more energy and enthusiasm. Yes, it might be derived from Bitcoin. That's where a lot of the energy around DLTs is coming from, but that's okay because we can leverage that, that technology growth, that excitement, and translate it into some really exciting new applications. So um, I think transit agencies are, are going to be looking at this. Private providers are going to be looking at this. And I'm really excited to see what applications come out of it in the coming years. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. This has been fantastic. Great. Thanks, Tris. Appreciate it.